Hello and welcome back to Commodity Conversations by the team at Mercado, the podcast where we keep you up to date with the latest trends, drivers and moves in livestock, grain and oilseed and fibre markets. My name is Olivia Agar and thanks for listening into episode 250. And who better to have on the podcast for that than one of our favourite guests, Will Barton, CEO of Gundagai Meat Processors. Of course, we'll be discussing the lamb and sheep market conditions with Will, the prices have fallen around 55% from the peak of the market to where they are today, and with a number of different factors driving that turn in the cycle. So we're very interested to chat to Will today and hear his perspective from a processor's point of view and get his insight into how demand for sheep meat is tracking, as well as touching on some of those key challenges like labour and high meat inventories around the globe. Now, we'll get into the episode in just a few minutes, but here are a few highlights from this week's market first. The slide in international wheat prices to three-year lows has come to a halt with a bit of a rally overnight in response to the latest WASD report, but it was more of a spillover from unchanged soybean stocks than anything fundamental with wheat. However, reports are showing a slowing of export pace of wheat from Russia, so there could be some support there. Now, for cattle, selective feedlots and the anticipation of significant supply to come from northern New South Wales, it's really allowed buyers to sit on their hands and drag the northern feeder market down. So the Australian northern cattle feeder price, which is reported by Argus, has been on a steady decline and it's fallen to 235 cents a kilo this week. While high feed costs are making the equation fairly difficult for feedlots, good harvest progress is starting to ease new season grain prices. That's it for me today. Enjoy the episode with Robert Herman and Will Barton. Okay, thanks, Olivia. Yes, um, it's great to have Will Barton back on Commodity Conversations. And Will Barton is the um, is the guy running Gundagai Meats. And we've talked a lot about the products you have there. Will, in the past, we've talked to you when things have been pretty good, but the, the market's changed dramatically. And we thought, well, we're trying to figure out what's going on, but it's probably a good time to talk to somebody who's right in amongst it. So a simple question, I suppose, is this pullback a reflection of demand or too much supply? Well, I think it's it's probably fairly, the drivers are well documented in terms of, you know, you've got a, on the on the demand side, you've got a, a reduction in, in demand for lamb at what have been historically sort of record high prices. So um, I guess global economic conditions are meaning that people are a bit uh, more cautious with their spend. And so... That's, that's, I guess, been, I think, probably pretty well documented that those things have been on the demand side, the challenges. And I think the the real problematic place that we find ourselves in is that that's, that's coincided with increased supply based mm. on, you know, a, a relatively high Australian flock and concerns around El, El Nino and, and the drive to sell based on those dynamics. So I... I Everyone will have a view on this, Rob, but I, I think, you know, if you look at the land price 12 months ago, I think the indicator was around 850. Um, in the last four to six weeks, it's been sitting somewhere between 450 and, and $5. Uh, I think it probably needs to normalise somewhere between 550 and 7 uh, depending yeah. on, on what's happening. And I, I, I would say that if you, and this is this is purely kind of theoretical, but the way that I think about it is if you were 8.50, 12 months ago and we had the economic challenge, but 
but there was no seasonal issues and there were and there wasn't sort of a, a, a high flock. So if supply, if you took supply out of it, I reckon 850 probably becomes 650. And that's where it yep. sits. And so I think, you know, you've probably got the first two dollars that come off the high uh, um, a demand's fault and a and a global economic sort of correction. And then the last sort of dollar fifty or two dollars is is the impact of of the push of supply that that comes through. And that's that typically how I think about it because I don't think that, you know, I don't think a six fifty or a seven dollar land price is is ultimately problematic. Um, in fact, I think it's probably where we need to be back, you know, in that in I say five fifty to seven dollar range, depending on what's happening in cost of production and seasons and other things on sure. on farm. Um, we'll talk a little bit more <laughs> about demand in a minute, but I just want to um there's a lot of talk about processes and and how they recovered post COVID. Um and, and look, it was a big challenge because, you know, COVID really decimated the labour force. But then, you know, the emergence of COVID also coincided with this increased turnoff of the flock. Um, industry figures are suggesting that processes are now operating at historically high capacity. But the spring supply probably is still too much for, for that, um, that capacity right now. Or is the surge in mutton turnoffs really created a whole new story in that that space will i think i mean maybe unhelpfully they all they all go into one big cauldron that all of those issues and i and i think that if you start from a processor's point of view we have we have slaughter capacity which is finite you know you, you might be able to scale it with shifts and different things like that certainly labor is stabilized it's always going to be a challenge and so whilst i've got enough um labor at the moment to do the job that we've got in front of us if i wanted to extend a shift or something like that I, I wouldn't be able to readily access you know a big chunk of labor to to scale up so we've got a finite number of stock that we can process and then you know the commodity items for us go into a second smaller boning room or or through a carcass loadout and then the main items go through you know what we call our main boning room which is really the heavy lamb kind of export domestic you know in some cases retail packed but packed cuts um and I think the change we've seen is that, you know, two years ago, we would have been hunting around through those livestock categories, whether they're, you know, mutton, light lamb or or heavy lamb. Uh, and we would have been looking for what works and what doesn't work. So it was a bit binary. Does that, does that line work? Whereas now processors have a lot of choice because mutton works, lamb works, light lamb works. And so it's really, it's it's a change from does it work or does it not work to which one works the best and and trying to prioritise, I guess, margins and then align our margins to the categories that we're, that we're producing while keeping, you know, program work fed and alive. So there's there's certainly a shift there. I think, yeah, scaling is, is challenging. I, I know I've said before we've got kind of three abattoirs, if you like, that are either online or coming online in, in sort of Cobram, um, Murray Bridge, and in Cootamundra, and that will help with, you know, to draw, to draw some of this product, product through. I think the other thing that I'd say, and I, I know it's again probably well documented, well talked about, is that if you think we think about the the COVID years, that sort of three year chunk, if you like, from early two and a half years from early twenty twenty through to sort of mid this year or, or early this year as I guess there was historically high record prices 
because our importers and distributors had this mindset shift from just in time to just in case. So they were all fearful that they'd run out or that the lockdown would get worse or shipping would get worse. So they've just absolutely filled stores to choppers and and this kind of just in time to just in case theme uh, came in. And the mega trend in processing at the time was we're rebuilding a flock and we've got no staff. So prices went very high. And then you get economy slowing and some financial headwinds and you get you know rising cost of living and, and those sorts of themes. And importers changed gears and they said, we probably should sell down our inventory just in case seems like it's solved itself and we need to get back to just in time so we don't get caught with high high value stock when yeah. new value new values are, are slipping. Um, and so they became price sensitive about how they replace their inventory, which is which is what really started the slide in in the sell price. And all commodities suffered the same fate. Chicken, pork, beef, lamb, everything was the same. But then the mega trend in processing in Australia shifted at the same time to labor's okay now. Everyone's worried about El Nino and we're and we're in sort of almost flock dispersal mode. So yeah. the, the the theme's really gone from one extreme to the other. At a, at a high level. This year, um, we're seeing another change in, in a dynamic that came through in the last couple of years, where especially the last two years, a lot of light unfinished lambs were turned out. Um, farmers either kept them on farm for longer because the season was good, when, and we know that season in a lot of areas is completely different now, um, or other restockers turned them out. But this year, the backgrounders and restockers seem to have have a real crisis of confidence they're not going having a crack at these lambs now and 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 i've had a look in the markets where these light lambs and you mentioned this before will these light lambs are going to processors um what markets are these light lambs going to is it impacting on the price of lambs across the board or is this sort of a new um market avenue well i think in i'll sort of answer that in two parts where they're going so i guess airplanes are flying Again, and and so air freight for you know a, a light chilled uh, lamb carcasses has sort of come back to life. So the bag lamb job, as most people refer to it, um, in in and it's Middle East focused. So we're sending light lambs on air freights into the Middle East again, which is so that's primarily where that that item's going. And then you've got what we would call six and ten way kind of commodity categories, which is again that light lamb. Uh, and or a mutton is going into sort of MENA markets. So Middle East, North Africa um, markets are, are reappearing. And I think that on the price front, I think it's more a case of like those markets aren't causing the price decrease. They've become active now because of the price decrease. So, you know, th these these parts of th these MENA markets are really excited to be eating Australian sheep meat again after being priced out of the market for probably five if not yep. 10 years practically um, and they've been buying alternative pro proteins sort of more locally um, whereas now the, the, the Australian I guess sheep meat pricing is more attractive to them so they've they've come back to life if you like yeah yeah so that's that's sort of a silver lining on on one side of the cloud because um, if we are getting back into some markets that were priced out um, what about um, and you sort of mentioned it briefly, but I just want to delve a bit more. The, the high meat inventories, we're hearing about these high meat inventories, particularly overseas customers. There is some evidence of that. Are you seeing that come back quickly or is that is that going, does that take a really long time to pull back? 
I, I think that it's probably a little bit of an old narrative now. It certainly was the case that, you know, global inventories were really quite high because of this sort of just-in-case mentality that everyone filled their stocks. And I, and I think that's largely been uh, worked through now and it's less about, um, I guess, not, not wanting to uh, buy because they've got high inventories and it's more about wanting to make sure that what they're buying, what they're bringing back into inventory is bought at the right price and they don't get they don't get stuck, if you like. But I mean, all markets yeah. are are slightly different. They're at slightly different stages of recovery or, or or economic challenge, if you like. And so they'll all behave slightly differently with slightly different timing. But I would say more or less the 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 big issue is no longer everyone has too much meat globally. It's more about everyone's cautious about how much they're paying for it. Yeah. And yeah. making sure they're not stuck on the wrong side of it. Let's swing back to a couple of couple of issues around home. Um, what about it'd be we've seen domestic consumption continually slide backwards and mainly driven by price, I think, over the time. Uh, are we seeing any increase in that demand? I mean, you've got some access to high level uh, markets within Australia here. Um, are they reporting that people are putting their hand up to take on more lamb? Yeah, absolutely. So the domestic interest in lamb is increasing and and consumers are coming back to it. And and I guess that's, as you sort of pointed out before, that's the big opportunity for lamb is to, you know, we've lost market share because of pricing. And so it's probably cold comfort for a producer to hear that, you know, this is exciting because consumers can eat your product again. Yeah, um, yep. But, and I think this is, if you if you come back to a, a trend about seeking normality somewhere between a high of eight fifty in the last twelve months and a low of four fifty, the the opportunity we have now is to grab as many as many consumers, be they kind of older, um, not not older in age, but older in in their familiarity with lamb. So bringing people back to lamb the day before, and this is domestic and export, and bringing new people to land that haven't tried it before because it was always too expensive. The the, the opportunity is to grab those um, consumers while lamb is relatively accessible price-wise and then do our best not to overcook the price in the next three years so that yeah. we lose them all again. So if we can if we can avoid another pandemic and and the woes and the and the price driven kind of surge that we experienced and get back to a you know a a normalised price, which allows the people that you've got to stick with you and go with you because they enjoy it, but not make it so expensive that they retreat from it. Then I think that's that's really the opportunity to get lamb back on an even keel, as I see it. Yeah. Now I'm I'm talking to Will Barton today from Gundagai Meats, and previously, Will, we've talked to you a lot about Gundagai Meats' investment in the relationship with producers. And with the aim of building supply of quality product and, and having that two-way flow of information, how has this project worked in this difficult situation for producers, if you like, in a, in a situation where prices are coming back? Um, just talk us through how this project um, and its long-term objectives figures out, figures its way through, you know, the ups and downs of a market. Yeah, so I, I think the, the Gundagai lamb I guess brand is still in its 
very early stages. We've only got two full seasons behind us. And so it's a, it's a little bit hard to to tell what it does through the entirety of a cycle. It's as far as we're concerned, it's going extremely well from a from a market point of view. So we've been really well received in markets. We've built some excellent customers who are um, really buying into the better, cleaner, fairer kind of call outs of the brand. And and those of you that haven't heard me bang on about it, better is this reference to intramuscular fat grading. Uh, cleaner is a reference to you know not over fattening lamb. So measuring lean meat yield and 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 some of the sustainability metrics that sit behind you know appropriately finished lambs but not over finished lambs and the animal health stuff so that we're feeding back animal health um, data so that producers can make a, a, a healthier animal over time through seasons and then fairer based on the on the bonus system so we find that the consumers that are buying that product and our global customers that are buying that product uh, are not just buying it for the eating quality, which is the better element, but for the other dynamics as well. And so it, sure. it, it is sticky on that basis. I think on a producer side, um, the lambs that grade GLQ5 plus are still getting the 80 cent per kilo bonus. And and that's that's a little bit more meaningful at at when yeah. when the market's at 450 than when it was at 850. That's right. That's uh, right. On, on a percentage basis. And yeah. so producers, I think the the grid this week if you're producing a GLQ five plus lamb here, it's we're paying five dollars sixty a kilo for that animal, which is which is right up there with the best pricing you'd see in the market if you can deliver the right article. So on on that basis, it's it's doing what it was intended to do, uh, in that it's allowing producers in a in a pretty rough market to still access you know re reasonably good pricing, um, in in relative terms. And I and I think the challenge for the brand, as it will be for the next sort of decade, is to is to really try to work on what the recipe is, so that a producer can actually influence whether a lamb is GLQ five plus or not, so that they've got the right management yep. techniques and genetics and all of those sorts of things. Which is absolutely, I guess, the journey that we're on with our with our producers who who remain fairly engaged. We Mercado's um, been pretty clear on saying that really we've got to deal with this crop of lambs uh, in this market environment before we can see it move forward. Um, and that's not a nice thing to have to talk about because in the past we've, we've seen the lamb price in the second half of the year, if you like, or in the, in the back half uh, improve. Is, is your view the same as that, Will, or do you think we can see an earlier recovery or is this recovery going to take longer? And, and thinking in terms of, you know, you mentioned, you know, perhaps another dollar fifty uh, on top of the price is not out of the question in terms of um, affordability for customers. I, I don't think anybody knows the answer to that question is where I'll start. Um, yeah. So we're really just musing about, about you know, what needs to happen. I think there's a few elements, you know, from a, from a demand side, the health of the global economy obviously plays a role in how quickly that market might recover. I think you know it's particularly um, well priced at the moment, lamb globally, historically, obviously. So that will encourage people to come back in to the markets. But if it if it increases too quickly, then you'll lose them. So there's a there's a piece to play around keeping them, you know, to yep. to to come along with you. And so 
you know, I think that 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 time horizon is probably consistent with with the supply side, which is a which is a season to sort of get through the stock, as you mentioned. I think the other, you know, probably area that's a little bit unknown is, you know, what proportion of restockers are going to processing versus restocker lambs that are going going yeah. out. And I don't think we have a really good uh, view, I guess, or visibility into. You know, it's very simplistic to say, oh, if barley's $360 then, and you don't have any idea what the heavy land price is going to be in March, why would you, you know, why would you consider feeding something? Yeah. But there are a lot of good operators out there that can make can Absolutely. make that work. Yes. And, and light lambs have been insanely cheap, you know, in pockets yeah. and at times. So I think the, the other bit of an unknown about that is whether or not, you know, February, March, April is going to see processes searching a little bit for for the right heavy lamb article and whether we're going to find ourselves um a bit short it's it's probably a bit unfathomable to think <laughs> right now that we might find ourselves without enough heavy lambs because yeah. they seem to be you know all all cl all classes of livestock seem to be in abundance anywhere but i think that's probably the other i guess one to watch is what i would say and and I don't have particularly good visibility over over what that looks like, yeah. but I think that's that's an important factor as well in what the recovery looks like from a pricing point of view, for sure. Yeah, well, a good friend of mine who always turns out the very best lambs, buys the best lambs, to give you an idea, last year, average price $170 to turn them out. And I, I did win the bet with him telling me he wouldn't pay $100 for them this year. So um, so that that emphasizes the opportunities that are there and I think you're right I think at the moment there's a you know there is a bit of a stand back and wait and see a little bit of a hesitancy but when you do the numbers and start to work out you know your buy-in price versus your weight gain um, we don't have to see this market rally much in the back half if at all to be making some nice returns out of um, finishing lambs no and I think the other thing about it is obviously season and the last drought that we had was so widespread on the eastern seaboard, mm. you know, and and I guess one of those other things that we think about a little bit is a bit about is that, you know, historically droughts have been have been worse in some areas, um, not not quite as bad in some other areas, and then you know you drive somewhere else and every farmer's jealous that they don't live there because they're having yeah. <laughs> a whale of a time and. And, and what that does create is that there are still areas that are producing hay and there are still pockets of adjustment and there's still, you know, opportunities for grain production in 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 sort of in areas. And I think that that last drought that we went through was just so widespread and that opportunity was so limited that I think that's really fresh in most producers' memories that it, it was it was it was a particularly tough uh, yeah. drought as far as drought goes given how widespread it was but it, it does seem that this year that's playing out a little bit differently so uh, we do have parts of you know southern New South Wales that are actually faring reasonably well and I, I can't really speak for Victoria I know that there are parts of northern New South Wales that are doing it particularly tough but Ooh. there's I, I think that drought in in more traditional kind of pockets of severity may may mean that the season doesn't play out quite as badly as perhaps everyone feared when we heard six months ago early mornings of El Nino and, and immediately thought yeah. to sort of 18, 19, 20 kind of situation. So that, that'll be interesting to watch too just as we roll along into Christmas, yeah.
Yeah, so there's a lot of things to play out, Will, and we really appreciate you giving us some time to talk to Commodity Conversations. Um, it's always good to have you on board because I feel like I'm speaking to somebody who's um, got their finger on the pulse and uh, and you're very generous with your time. So, Will, thanks very much again and uh, we look forward to catching up soon. My pleasure, Rob.